Welcome everyone back into the spotlight. I'm your host Ben Beck and this time around I got to talk to Brad Sherwood, improv comedian who you would know from Who's Line Is In Our Anyway and is currently back on tour with Colin Mockery in the Colin and Brad Scared Scriptless Tour uh, coming to the PA area as well as a number of other areas. You can check uh, colinandbradshow.com for more information and ticket sales but if you're local to the PA area like myself uh, you can check them out next Friday, October 19th at the Keswick Theater. This is the third time Brad has joined me on the podcast. He's always a delight to talk to. This time was no different. You're in for about another great 40-minute conversation with Brad. Uh, But I don't want to say any more. I want you guys to enjoy the interview itself, uh, the conversation itself that we have. So uh, make sure you check us out online, facebook.com slash nextlevelradioonline, nextlevelradioonline.com, and of course follow us on Twitter at nxtlevelradio. In the meantime, Here he is. Enjoy this interview with Brad Sherwood. It's the next level. Hey, this is Lucky Yates. Hey there, this is Jimmy Simpson. Hello, this is Brad Sherwood. Hi, this is Claire Coffey. This is Andy Daly. Hey there, this is Kevin Durant. Hi, I'm Chris Parnell. Hey, this is DJ Fine. Hey all, this is David Hoffman. You are listening to the Level Have Fun. When you think of improv and improv comedians, it's pretty safe to say that my guest is one of the best in the business now. You know him, of course, from the show Whose Line Is It Anyway, and now he's back on tour with Colin Mockery for Colin and Brad Scared Scriptless, and he's now also a three-time guest here in the spotlight. Please welcome back the one and only Mr. Brad Sherwood. Brad, thanks for coming back, man. This is I, I love when I get the opportunity to talk to you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. So rare. Anybody wants to talk to me more than once. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, a three-time guest on any kind of a program, it gets kind of difficult because you kind of you kind of have to come up with new questions. But, you know, as a fan of improv myself, I, I, I think uh, it never runs out because I, I have a whole bunch of stuff I'd, I'd love to talk to you about that I don't know if I've talked to you about it before or not, but I really don't care just because I enjoy talking to you. Excellent. Let's do this. Um, it's pretty good timing, actually, that I'm having you on right now, other than the fact that you're bringing the tour with Colin back to this area. Uh, but we just found out yesterday, uh, as of October 9th, Whose Line Is It Anyway, which I know you're still a part of from time to time, just got renewed for a 15th season, at least for the U.S. version, 15 seasons. Yes, uh, they can't kill us. We're harder to kill than The Walking Dead. Like, really, just we are improv zombies. We 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 storm through different networks, different seasons, reruns, keep us alive, and then we come back with a vengeance. Yeah, I know it's uh, what the UK version ran for ten years. This is now the fifteenth season, with a little bit of a break for for the US, uh, but it marks twenty five seasons of Who's Line Is It Anyway, and I think a thirty year span. That's a pretty huge milestone to hit yes we are the uh 60 minutes of uh improv comedy <laughs> i'd rather watch you than 60 minutes though on any oh, day of the week no kidding 
So yeah, yeah it's, me too. I mean, I've been a fan, obviously, of the UK one. I, I still watch the the current one to this day. I go back and I rewatch old episodes of you know the. Uh, I think it aired on Comedy Central. It was ABC, and then Comedy Central picked it up for a while. And yes, yes, the yes. It was Com- Comedy Central was the original British version uh, way of accessing it here in the states. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, ABC picked up the the revival for the U.S., and then now it's on CW. As as an improv comedian, um, you know, it, it, there's very few and far between people who are as good at improv as like you, Colin, Ryan Stiles, Greg Proops, uh, Wayne Brady, like all the guys that the usuals that you see on that show, uh, Jeff Davis, and and such. But as an improv comedian, what does that mean to you to see something like this? Because I've I know I've talked to you before and. In previous discussions, you've said before that you would always treat earlier on in this, you would always treat this as if it was your last season. Um, but now, again, 25 seasons in 30 years, what's it mean to you as an improv comic to see improv like this still going as strong as it is and still as popular as ever? Well, it's really cool. It's kind of like, you know, the the show wouldn't have survived if it didn't have a you know, strong sort of recurring cast that could keep the the quality up. And, uh, you know, our occupations as live touring improvisers wouldn't exist if the show didn't exist. So it's sort of the symbiotic relationship uh, between us. You know, whose line is the giant rhinoceros and we're the little birds that clean its teeth. (laughs) So uh, I never, you know, we always still sort of think, oh, this might be the last season of whose line. They never like instantly uh, bring it back. There's always like this groundswell of people save whose line, bring it back. You know, all the, the super fans that sort of rally and, and implore them to bring it back. It's kind of it's strange because it's such a cheap and easy show for any network to produce compared to a regular show that has to have locations and sets and all you know giant staffs of writers and all that kind of stuff that uh, they they almost no network totally uh, respects the show because they usually put it in their troublesome time slots where they're competing against tough stuff because it's so cheap. They feel like they're not losing money. Like when, when we were on Hoot, on uh, ABC, we were up against friends and survivor, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then they would look at the ratings and they go, well, it doesn't get the greatest ratings in the world. Well, it's because it's on against the two most popular television shows of, of the last decade back to back, you know? Yeah. So, and the reason they put it there is because it was their cheapest show to produce. So we were sort of, uh, we're victims of our own uh, economic budgetary uh, feasibility to them. And then, then they would hold us to the standards of, oh, really? You, you put us in the problem slot, and now you're judging our ratings. Put us against something that's just sort of an average show and see how we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so funny, too, that you mentioned being up against Friends, too, because going back and rewatching old episodes, as I as I actually do really quite often, there are so many jokes throughout the run of that original ABC one where you guys would poke fun at the fact that you were up against friends. And, yeah. and I, oh, lo- yeah. you know, and I love the fact that it was almost, um, I, I don't want to say inception, like, cause that's a weird way to put it, but it was just, um, kind of meta a little bit that you guys would poke fun about the time slot that you were in. Yeah. You know, and we, it, it, we were just so happy to be on television, even the producers, everybody was, because this show is still, to a certain extent, there are a couple of shows that are improv-driven now uh, that that are on in different places, but it's still kind of the only one that's totally cracked the nut of how to capture it and make it entertaining 
while watching it on television. Because it's really kind of a live experience. You know, as you know, you've seen it live. When you, when you see yeah. a, a really good improv show live, it's crazy and it's exciting. It's sort of got the energy of a rock concert and uh, the wonder of a magic show, and yet it's a comedy show. So it, it, it's hard to ca- capture all of that energy once you put it on television. Because most people that see the, the show are still convinced that we had a bunch of advanced yeah. uh, hints <laughs> from the producers of what was going on. We, we didn't, you know, but it's sort of a testament that it's kind of an audience member saying, you're so good, I can't believe you're actually making it up, which in one sense is a compliment, and in another sense is kind of an insult. It's like, <laughs> I think you're a liar. You know, like, that's like going to Eddie Van Halen and saying, I don't think you actually play all those notes uh, live. You're, you're adding them in yeah. after the fact. There's a second guitarist following you through to make it sound like <laughs> you're playing more notes. Like, you know, that's not right. Yeah. Give us credit. And that's, and that's, you know, going on to that too is, is, you know, I have, I've seen the show multiple times. I'll, I'll be seeing it again when you come back down, come back to town next week. And I, I say that to anybody because I've gotten that before when I've told people I've, I'm a big fan of whose line is it anyway. I've had a number of people, not a number, but there's been one or two people who said like, well, you know, some of that stuff is scripted, right? And I, my immediate response to those people is be like, is to tell them, you know what? If that's honestly what you believe, come with me and see this show. Because I can guarantee you your mind will be changed by the end of it. Because, And it's one of the reasons why, you know, you can go see a band in concert, you know, four or five times. And if you absolutely adore that band, you can go see them and never be bored. And that's how I am with your show uh, with, you know, with Colin and Brad on tour is it's a different show every damn time you go and see it because of the fact yeah. that it's made up on the spot. Yeah, I, I mean, I always say that our show will, will be always like 95 to 98% completely different. You know, there might be like, oh, we might jump on a moped during Moving Bodies just because it's a fun uh, form of transportation that gets us into silly situations. But just because that might happen in more than one show doesn't mean that the entire rest of the content of that game, for example, is totally improvised. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, going going to see the show multiple times. I I think the only thing you might say is that you'll see every time is you'll see some of the same games played, but that's only yeah. because you know there are certain games that translate well to live audiences, and some of them I think might work better with the recorded show. But seeing it, you know, in a stage press, and that might not be the case at all. Any game that you played on Whose Line could probably translate to uh, translate to the live show if if done properly, but. You might see the same games over and over, but every time you see that game played, it's played differently. And and yeah. that's what adds to the experience, and that's why I, I... And at least the starting point, and, you know, we also try and have more audience interaction and input in our show than... If you watch an episode of Who's Line, maybe there'll be a game where they actually bring up people, like for... Uh, you know, movie bodies or sound effects. So there might be one game like that. And uh, the host may turn to the audience one time and say, oh, you know, when they need an occupation for uh, like songs of the plumber, you know, but, (laughs) but a lot of the times the host will read the cards that are a scene that has been sort of created by the producers, your pirates and Colin is the wife and blah, 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 you know? So that has, there's no audience input there. Uh, so this, for people that are sort of skeptical, when you see the show and we're bringing up anywhere from four to, you know, 13 people throughout the show, 
to put us through our paces. And every single game starts at least with one suggestion, and then obviously some games where people are constantly putting in more information throughout it, they can really see that, oh, okay, yeah, this has to be made up. There's no way you could script and craft and control this many variables. Yeah, exactly. I, I can speak from experience, too, that one of the things I, I um I'm a very outgoing person. I've been on stage in front of hundreds of people and such, and I very rarely get nervous. But I can tell you, I went to one of your shows, which was at State Theater in Easton, probably four or five years ago. It might have even been longer back than that. Uh, one of the games that you play is is sound effects, where you actually mm-hmm. pass the microphone out to the audience, and it gets kind of trickled down throughout the audience. That you know, one person has to make a sound, and then they hand the microphone off, and. I remember being in the audience and being in that zone where the microphone was at. And at one half of me was like, okay, I really hope I get this microphone because I want to be a part of the show. And as it, it got closer and closer to me, I just kept thinking, holy crap, this microphone is getting closer and closer to me. I really hope I don't screw this up. And, <laughs> and it ended That's up. That's because you care. That's yeah. the difference. <laughs> And it, it ended up stop. The game ended up stopping like three people away from me, so I never got it. But uh, it, it was just so weird how I got nervous about right. the the opportunity of being part of the show. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people say that that public speaking, you know, in front of a group is one of the most common phobias. And you know, we're dragging sometimes ten people on the stage, <laughs> whether or not they're going to be actually saying stuff or just doing stuff. That's a lot of people to drag into the possible phobia zone. Uh, you know, obviously, if someone said, absolutely not, I'm not coming on stage, we would never, as you know, bring them up. Yeah. You know, we, we bring, you know, cautiously hesitant but willing <laughs> human beings up for potential ridicule. Yeah, I don't think there's – And I, the good, I think the good thing is that early on they sort of see that it, going up there is kind of a safe place. We, they're not going to be like in a hypnosis show where they're you know pretending to take their clothes off and dressing like a chicken and we're not going to be humiliating them you know at 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 most we might poke fun in the middle of the scene at something that they said that was completely yeah. ridiculous if they're like <laughs> filling in our sentences but other than that it's a you know no one wants to go up for the first game and after that then everybody feels a little more comfortable to to be involved because they're like okay this isn't horrible I will not be crucified by snarky, totally smart ass <laughs> comics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and that's what I, to any of the listeners out there that I, you know, that might go to your show, whether it's the one here or somewhere in your area, uh, I, I, I will say that too. Don't feel, you might be nervous, but if you do get chosen to go up on stage, just go with it. Cause it's always so much fun. Anytime I see it. Um, you know, going back to the show for a minute for Who's Line, you know, and out of all the time that you guys have done it, there have been so many guest stars that have come in. I know in the earlier iterations you had, um, you know, Whoopi Goldberg was one, Robin Williams, you know, before, obviously, before his passing and such. And now with the new CW show, you guys get so many more guest stars that are coming in. I know <laughs> to this day, I don't, it, it wasn't an episode that you were a part of, or I don't think it was, um, but there was a Richard Simmons episode. Yes. Um, uh, were you on that one? I can't remember. I was not on that one. Okay. I, I it might have been Greg, but that, yeah, that one was a classic. Yes. That, that, <laughs> people say, what was your favorite uh, thing from Who's Line? And I always say, Richard Simmons with Colin on the jet ski <laughs> is still just my favorite. Like, I can, I can watch that any day of the week and yep. still 
be in tears. Uh, that's how, the, yeah, that's how I am about it too. But I'm, I'm curious out of all the people that you have had an opportunity to interact with, um, you know, other than, you know, Richard Simmons being on there too, since you, you didn't really get to interact with them. Who's one of the, the people that you've interacted with that one is kind of stands out at, to you, whether it be for a favorite or someone who just kind of surprised you at how good at improv, um, at improv they, they, they are. Well, a lot of the times when they just have a, a, a celebrity sort of show up to be put into, not they're not actually playing on the show, but they're coming in to do sort of a cameo within games. Mm-hmm. They sort of protect them from having to do too much actual in, improv. They usually use them as a prop or they have them be dubbed and this and that. So, but I, two of my favorites for two different reasons. Uh, one time we had, uh, it was like one of our, I don't know how many episodes we were celebrating. Maybe it was our hundredth episode for the ABC. We had Sid Caesar on. Yeah, I remember and, that episode. You know, he, he was one of my, you know, role model, legendary, you know, Mount Rushmore of comedy kind of people. So to get to meet him and, uh, and after the show, we went into the, trailer where he was watching the show to say hello um and you know he said you guys were so great and he turned to me he's like you are so good at uh, the songs and to have one of your you know like yeah. just one of the people who originated the concept of comedy on television period <laughs> uh pay you a compliment uh was just really a highlight and then my one of my other favorites was uh, um, I dubbed for Florence Henderson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She was on the show, and I, I did her voice while she was in a scene with Colin and Ryan, and like for you know, pimped them into getting to kiss uh-huh. Florence Henderson. And you know, I just grew up watching the Brady Bunch, so this was like my TV mom, and I'm doing her voice and creating hijinks. So uh, those were super highlights. Also, not on the show, but. I got a couple of times to do Herald Nights, uh, which is a long form of improv that we used to do in L.A. uh, at a little club down in Santa Monica. And uh, Robin Williams came in to sit in with us a couple of times. So I got to be in a long form Herald with him and do some scenes. And that was really a fun highlight for me as well. Yeah, I have to, um, you know what? I'm kind of glad that you brought that up because this is one of those things that it, it becomes kind of personal for me. And, um, because Robin Williams to me was, and I'm sorry to break away from everything for a second, but, you know, and I actually got to talk to Greg Proops about this too when I had him on my podcast. I actually went to go see his show afterwards and we kind of hung out backstage and we talked a little bit more about it. But Robin Williams to me was a personal, uh, personal hero of mine. And I was one of the people, one of the many people who was devastated at his passing. Um, and I always love to get an opportunity to talk to people who've had an opportunity to work with him. And I, I have to imagine just working with him and, you know, cause while he was a stand up, his, uh, you know, his ability to improv at the same time is just like shades apart from, you know, any other stand up comedian that you see out there. So I have to imagine that experience was pretty incredible. Yeah. The only other person, uh, who actually he attributes as sort of his role model was Jonathan Winters. And, you know, before whose line came along, Jonathan Winters and Robin Williams were like the only two human beings, uh, pulling the improv sled anywhere on television, you know, because they would riff in 
interviews on chat shows and, you know, when they were doing characters in a scripted thing, then they would, you know, sort of the producers knew to sort of leave space for them to uh, riff and change and add whatever the heck they were going to say so that each time they shot the scene over, they were going to get a totally different take so they could pick which one they wanted to use. And really, they were the only ones using that part of their sort of brain in expressing this art form, even in in a scripted show uh, or in talk shows or in their comedy sets. And, you know, it wasn't really till Whose Line came along that all of a sudden anyone knew anything about improv other than people that were savvy enough to know what Robin and Jonathan Winters were doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know, like, going on to that about even when it came to scripted stuff and, and in, including improv, I know one of the things that I remember distinctly is a, there's a particular episode of the Carol Burnett show that Robin was on and he filmed a whole funeral scene with Carol Burnett and Carol Burnett coming back out after a commercial break saying they were going to do the scene again because Robin wanted to do it differently. And it became, <laughs> and it became this whole new scene because he, that's, he, did it as a different character and it was brilliant. Right. You know, and that yeah. goes, that goes right along with that. Um, and that show, that was a show I love that. That was one of my sort of, you know, growing up people and interview me and say, you know, who were your biggest sort of mentors in comedy? And I say, Tim Conway, <laughs> uh, Don Knotts, Har- Andy Corman. Griffith show. Yeah. Yeah. Harvey Corman, Art Carney, uh, from the honeymooners and then Monty Python. Like, I feel like I can sort of, attribute every sort of moment and comic timing thing that I do to one of those places that I absorbed as a child and just, you know, just digested it and made it on the cellular level part of my own comic timing. Yeah. Um, on the, on the topic of guests and everything too, I'm glad you brought up Monty Python. Cause it kind of leads me into another question I had is with the tour, you know, you've been touring with Colin now since 2003. So you 15, 16 years now, which is another yeah. milestone in itself. Um, you know, of all the cities and all the years that you've been doing this, have there ever been, uh, you know, we talked about how you pull people up from the audience to join you on stage. Have you ever kind of at any point throughout this entire run with Colin kind of maybe seen out of the corner of your eye, there's been a celebrity in the audience and you would choose them to come up on stage? Uh, not so much. Uh, we would, we would usually wouldn't know about it. I, this is unrelated to the Colin Brad show, but I, uh, did, um, we helped, um, Drew and I, and some of the other cast members of Who's Wine and, and from the old all-star days, uh, opened the Pittsburgh improv cause he was really good friends with the guy who owned the club cause he'd worked with him in other places. Mm-hmm. So we, we did a couple shows that night to open the club that weekend, uh, for its grand opening. And Franco Harris was there from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, okay. Okay. It took a second for the name to click. Yeah. And he, so he, he was there and we brought him up to do the sound effects game. (laughs) And, uh, and so that was really fun. Um, and, uh, we, we, Colin and I performed at the, uh, correspondence radio correspondence dinner, uh, one year in Washington for all the political muckety mucks when uh, George Bush was president and we brought Carl Rove up 
uh, for that. <laughs> Only because we couldn't, weren't allowed to use the president. I wanted to use the president in, in, in one of the games, and they were like, you can't, you can't use, you can't use anybody off the dais. Only people in the seats. And so our, our table was near Karl Rove's, and I thought, well, you know, I didn't ask him in advance. We just started our show, and then I came out thinking, well, I'll pick him. And I looked at the rest of the table, and I thought, well, he'll probably say no. There's no way he's going to say yes. And I'll then choose Wolf Blitzer, who's sitting at the table next to him. So <laughs> Wolf Blitzer was my backup plan, which I thought was going to be the one I would end up going with. But Karl Rove stood up and came to the stage and did this rap thing with us. And apparently his son was a big <laughs> Who's Line fan, so he was excited, and his son thought it was the coolest thing ever. And, uh, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. It's kind of weird. We, we've been able to perform for a president. You know, we're just two grown men doing silly fart jokes and <laughs> trying to be smart, Alex. And uh, somehow it's gotten us to the White House. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you mentioned, I know you guys have toured in the UK before. You, you're going to Australia and New Zealand with this tour. And you mentioned, you know, Monty Python being comedy inspiration of yours. Have you ever had the opportunity to meet them or even work with them on stage? I have met and I, I did some sort of panel uh chat show once with uh eric idol and and got to meet him and i was just such a doofusy fanboy uh, <laughs> trying to keep my <laughs> keep my crap together uh but uh i haven't worked with any of the other guys but just still to this day i just the, the their comic sensibilities i find so hilarious and just make me giggle and yeah. cry there's never a time when i'm flipping through the channels if I stumble upon any Monty Python film that I ever, all I do is like, whatever I was doing, uh, wipe the slate clean because I'm now stuck watching this. Like, yeah. any Monty Python movie or, or Goodfellas. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no matter where opposite, I end up. Opposite end yeah, of the yeah. spectrum. That's just one of those movies like, oh, Goodfellas. Like, <laughs> you just start watching it and you can't turn it down, turn it off. Yeah, I think so I've, those, yeah. I think I've seen Holy Grail enough times that I could probably, with friends, reenact that entire movie. Oh, yeah, Holy Grail, Life of Brian, and Meaning of Life. Yeah, like Meaning of Life is obviously the mo the most sort of sketchy, uh, segmented one, kind of like the old original show. Yeah, but God, <laughs> it kills me it's, every it, time. It's so much fun because I'll be out with a group of friends and we'll be at some restaurant that'll give you like an after dinner mint. And we took care for a lot of time and we just we immediately jump into that. And you're right, Monty yeah. Python just has that sensibility that you know they're quotable, yeah. and it's just brilliance when it when it comes down to yeah. it. Um, so what can we expect uh, from the tour this year? It's the Scared Scriptless tour, uh, which, if said too fast, could really be dangerous. Yes, uh, <laughs> we're just you know we're always trying to innovate and and change and add ways of making games that we might have done in the past, like slightly different, or, you know, we scrap two games and make a hybrid Frankenstein game out of the two of them. Uh, you've probably seen the, the, the show where we've uh, done a game called fill in where we have a bunch of people standing behind a microphone yep. and they help finish our sentences. We've changed that game up a little bit to make it more fun and kind of just slightly more dangerous and, uh, it, it makes the all all of the people that we bring up on stage sort of more uh, constantly involved in the game instead of like in a line waiting for their turn. So uh, that that we just started that literally two shows ago. So we're constantly going. Okay, how can we change this not only for ourselves but for audience members that have seen us before? And uh, you know, I don't know how long it's uh, how long. 
we've been doing this one game, but it's a new singing game that you might not have seen. Um, hmm. I, I don't know if we've, we're doing it back when you saw us at, uh, at Sugar, Sugar Shack. Yeah. <laughs> we might've done it there. I can't remember. We might've done the singing uh, game there. But you I'm know what? Sure. Like, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't matter if it's a game I've seen before <laughs> or not. It's, it's always different every time. Yeah. Uh, the one question I ask you every time though, mousetrap game still in there? Uh, you know, we have sort of retired it for a while oh, because right. uh, it's just we don't really like playing. It. <laughs> I, I know so, you've mentioned so that we before. Thought, well, we're going to give we're going to sort of set it aside for a year, and then you know, sh- places that we've never been before. When we come back to it, uh, we'll be fresh and new. And for places that we have done it before, uh, then it'll be like an old friend that comes back. The, the problem with that game is that of all the games that we do, it's it for us feels the least improvised because there's such this big, you know, gimmick on it that we have to do a blindfolded barefoot on mousetraps. So the story that we're telling and the improv is kind of set to the side, unlike all the other games where we're really trying to improvise the whole time. And because you've seen, you've seen the show several times, it ends the same way (laughs) kind of in every show. So for us, that feels like, eh, you know, it's kind of sticky and you know the audience is laughing and screaming with delight but we just we just wanted to put it aside for a while just because people that do see the show three or four or five times that's the one game that they're like okay i know this game this is going to happen and this is going to happen so it's still so much fun to watch i mean i know it's not fun for you guys because you're a you're a sadist (laughs) exactly um well i know you guys are back on tour you're going to be this coming this coming weekend you're going to be in norfolk virginia at chrysler hall next week you're coming back to our area you're going to be at the keswick theater which i don't know i don't know if you've ever been there before for anything else but uh is a great theater um, in Glenside, PA, you're going to be sticking out still in PA, Shippensburg, PA the next day. Uh, you're going to be up in Massachusetts, uh, the following weekend and then, or the following week. And then you guys hit Australia and New Zealand, which is kind of cool. Yes. For the second half of November, we're heading down there. So we're going to go from one summer to the next. <laughs> yeah. And then I think you, you guys wrap up the, that tour overseas. You guys play in Royal Albert, Royal Albert. Yes. Um, which is a pretty well-known and respectable theater over there. In, uh, in yeah, the, the producers of Whose Line uh, have been doing, this will be the third year that we're going to do it in UK, and each year we've moved up to a, a fancier uh, <laughs> theater. So last uh, last time we did it, two years ago, we played at the Palladium, and this year we're playing at Royal Albert Hall, and it'll be me and Colin and Greg Proops and uh, Jeff Davis and... Uh, Old veteran, not old veteran, but veteran of the British days, <laughs> Josie Lawrence. Nice, okay. and it will be, and, and it's going to be hosted by Clive Anderson. Oh wow, so, okay, so a little bit of a. So old it's really, it's going to be to, that one is going to be total Who's Line format with the desk and the buzzer and the the bell and us coming up in small groups to do classic games from Who's Line. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I know you guys. I think it was back in 2011. Uh, you and Colin actually filmed one of your shows for, uh, you know, it's out on DVD and people can buy it. I know out there now. Um, and I think it was on Netflix even for a little bit for a while. Any plans yeah. to do another, uh, DVD or anything to put out? We actually put out a, we shot a second one. And I think the producers that created it, just hadn't gotten the right offer yet 
So, you know, it's, it's sort of on the shelf. They didn't want to give it away for free. And I guess, I don't know whether it was Netflix or whoever, uh, hadn't made the, the deal as lucrative as, uh, well, this sounds like a big failure story, but it is no, uh, as, as the first one, like they, the first one they snapped up and bought and paid top dollar for. And then the second one, they're like, mm, you know, the, the deal wasn't good enough for him to give it away, I guess. Basically. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll see that kind of pop up sometime. Yes. Uh, sometime yes. In, <laughs> sometime in the future. Cause I know the, I still the, go back the, and, the lost tapes <laughs> of Colin and Brad. Yes. Uh, yeah, because I know I, I own the first one, and I still go back to it and watch it. And you know what? To, if I ever miss the Mousetrap game, that's one way I can go back and watch it. Cause, that's true. Because it, it, that's how that wraps up on that one. Um, yeah, we shot that one in Milwaukee. I think we had the second one we shot somewhere in Pennsylvania. Actually, okay. I can't remember where in Pennsylvania we did it. It might have been a show I was at. Shows. <laughs> Possibly. Well, you know. Then you would have remembered all the cameras. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so maybe it wasn't yeah. a show I was at. Um, well, I definitely want to encourage you, uh, I'm just going to wrap this up, so don't hang up yet, but, um, I want to encourage people to follow you on Twitter and Instagram at the Brad Sherwood. And I follow, I follow you on Twitter too. And I love you, you pull no punches. Your, your, your snark is just hysterical and you, no target is off limits. I've seen you go back on Drew and and Greg and it it doesn't matter who it is. Oh yeah. I'm snarky to everyone. And I'm also snarky to really nice people that say stuff and then they (laughs) Uh don't understand that I'm kidding. You know, it's just like if I'm a smart ass, that's because I'm trying to get people to laugh at that perspective. Not that I'm actually some curmudgeonly angry troll. Yeah. So, but sometimes people don't realize that. It's, it's fun to follow. Uh, so yeah, at the Brad Sherwood on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, as I yeah. mentioned, the tour dates, you can find tour dates and purchase tickets to the Colin and Brad show, scared scriptless at Colin and Brad show.com. And yeah, I will be at the, um, I will be at the Keswick to see you next week. Uh, excellent, I, excellent. I, I encourage everybody else who's listening to this, who's in the area, to to go get tickets as well, or just look at the website and see when it's coming to you, and and go and check it out because it's always a good time. Yep. But website, uh, ColinAndBradShow dot com usually has a fairly accurate, updated representation <laughs> of where we're going to be. I'm looking at it now, so I can see. Yep, it's got for the most part a, a bunch of ones, and yeah, because you'll be back in March. Uh, for anybody who doesn't catch you before you go to Europe and New Zealand and such, you'll be back in, uh, yeah. you're hitting, uh, like Ohio and New York and Tennessee and a, a couple other places back in, uh, beginning of the year. So, yeah. uh, and then probably in the beginning of the year too, we'll be shooting new Who's Lines probably sometime. Usually they do February ish, sometimes January. And yeah, cause I think you, you guys do a number of episodes in a day too, don't you? It's not just like one. A day. Well, actually, we shoot one episode a day, oh. but the, generally we shoot uh, about twenty-three games, and they need four. Or five, they need like five to six games to work for one episode. And if the show, if the taping is going great, they can get multiple episodes out of a show. Usually, they'll get at least two. I remember the first time I shot Who's Line uh, in New York for the UK version, we got four episodes out of my first taping so they edit it and basically go okay we've got this many games that that adds up to three episodes and then they at the end of the taping will shoot two more uh intros with um the host coming down and saying welcome to the show and you know changing the pattern and they say so the first game we're going to start with is this so they do three 
first game things and then the three last game things and you know, a bunch of wraparound, don't go away, we'll be right back, and blah, 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 coming in and out of games. Yeah. I know it's funny. I'll get ready to wrap it up, and now I have a couple other questions. I hope you don't mind. Um, sure. Uh, you know, going back to the show a little bit, too, and you mentioned filming, you know, like 23, 25 games in a day and then breaking it up into multiple episodes. Out of all the stuff that you shoot in one day, how much of it would you say actually makes it, and how many games would you say, or how much, in a percentage of a day, how much would you think hits the cutting room floor and just doesn't make it to air? Well, generally, if a game works, it, the the whole thing is probably going to stay in. They, it, they try not to edit like a chunk out of a game because that's kind of hard to do t- content wise. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just do the game. The, the the producers who are in the ear of whoever's hosting it uh, are also looking for a, a decent out that the game hasn't gone too terribly long. You know, their their hope is the game will go anywhere from three to five to six minutes. So right around one of those time frames, they're hoping that a laugh is justifiably ready to get the buzzer to end the game, you know, because they, they can't really go through and, like, pull out a five-line interaction from the middle of the game because we're moving around stage and then we're not in the same place. So continuity-wise, it's hard for them to do that. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, and it, it's funny because I, even I know there's, like, a 40-minute or even hour-long outtake reel that's out there. Uh, right yeah. now it's floating around YouTube and I've watched a number of times and it's completely uncensored and I, and I love that. But even material that, you know, censors would kind of say in any other show, like, okay, we're going to cut this. You're right. It kind of fits into the continuity of everything. So to cut it would completely yeah. ruin the game. So they kind of have to keep it in there and just bleep everything out because. Well, that's the other thing is that based on something funny that might have happened in one game, if people, we're sort of discouraged from referencing it later on in the show, but sometimes in the, you know, sitting in the chairs talking about stuff, they might bring back something that happened in one game that was wild and wacky. So then the producers are sort of forced to put that show together. That's anything that got referenced to that earlier yeah. game, <laughs> you know, even if they wanted to put this game somewhere else, they can't now because the both they're bringing back the stuff they talked about the penguins and that other thing. So there's all that stuff that goes into how they craft and build one. Whereas another game with another show, they could pull three games that didn't reference back to the penguin thing to help build the anchor of a second episode. Yeah. It's uh, I remember just one of the things off the top of my head is the whole ice hole episode. Yes. You know, that kind of filtered through a number of different games throughout the rest of the, uh, throughout was, the rest of the Was episode. I in that episode? You were. It sounds like one I would Yeah. Generally, generally when they're worried about the sensors, <laughs> some reason, I, I sort of have this mischievous need to like <laughs> get right up to the edge and... <laughs> I, one so, of the one of the things that's for. yeah one of the things that stands out to me on that note is uh, and it's one of my favorite moments of yours is it's I think it was a game you were playing with Colin and Brad and you just say hey want to see me turn my fingers blurry and you just oh yeah <laughs> give the two middle fingers and the sensors had to had to blur it which was fun so uh, last it question for worked. you. Yeah. Last question for you before I wrap it up, also pertaining to the show. Um, I've seen a number of episodes of, you know, there, there's obviously a lot of physical elements that go into improv comedy as well. I've seen people hop on people's backs and, and you know, fake punches and everything like that. Has there ever been any kind of legitimate injuries that have come out of these shows, whether it be the live show or whose line? 
I think Colin and Ryan both sort of have bad backs, but because of that, everyone knows not to leap onto their backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, you know, I know uh, Ryan or somebody banged into the neon light on yeah. the host desk one <laughs> yep. time. Broke his head. Broke yeah, the light but his for head. most part, yeah, I've thrown myself off the back of the stage probably in <laughs> eight or nine episodes over the <laughs> decades that we've done the show, and uh, I've never hurt myself. Uh, so oh, that's I, I did accidentally fall back off the back of it when I was sitting in the chair one time. Uh, that one was an accident. Most of the other ones were fairly on purpose. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, I know one of the things, too, when it comes to the show, like I was always a big fan of Drew and I, I was always a big Aisha Tyler fan, too. But I was very it took me maybe a season or two to get used to Aisha as the new host. Mm-hmm. But even in right. the late, in the later shows now, it, I think it's good. She's kind of come into her own as the host and she even kind of plays along with it a little bit more than she did in the beginning. Cause I know Drew was very interactive. Right. Drew would, you know, yeah. play the final game and, yes. and such. And now they loved dragging Drew up because it was, it was so fun to watch him squirm and sweat <laughs> and like desperately try to, you know, either do the hoe down or whatever it was, because you could just read it on his face. If it wasn't going the way he wanted to, you could just see, oh, oh, I'm not doing it exactly. <laughs> and everybody can identify with that. You know, he's such the everyman. You you want he, he want great things to happen for him, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's sort of that Fred Flintstone, Homer Simpson, you know, sensibility yeah i can't remember if it was you or if it was colin that told me about it before but had mentioned that drew was you know in the beginning of the show was very uncomfortable about going up there and then he just started taking lessons and kind of learning from you guys and eventually but you know by the later seasons of that show he really came into his own when it came to the hoedowns and the improv so it's not that he took lessons he started performing with all of us uh we, we would do a regular thursday night in la at the improv uh, we would get up there and do an hour show, him and us, and you know the, some of the cast members of the Drew Carey show that did improv, and then the, the regulars of us from Who's Line. So we would all go down there and jam. So he was basically taking a live improv show training course with the rest of us. So trial very by fire. brave of him. Yeah, trial by fire. It's like, oh, you're going to be on stage with the Harlem Globetrotters and you're going to learn how to play basketball. <laughs> so it's, it's, it, was, it was very brave of him to just literally throw himself into what he wasn't adept and comfortable at in the beginning uh, with people that were already doing it and had been doing it for years and years and years. Can you imagine like just getting on stage with Van Halen and learning how to play the bass? You know, it's like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah. That would be terrifying. And he was, that, that is like one of the bravest things I've ever known performance-wise from someone that was at the top of their game in a totally different comedic discipline. Yeah, that, I mean, that would almost be akin to me, like like I said, like it, it, being nervous uh-huh. to just make a sound in a microphone is one thing, but that would almost be like you guys saying to me, like before a show, uh, like as just some person in the audience, like, hey, you're going to come up, you're going to do the whole show with us. And, you know, yeah. not knowing what the hell to do. But, I mean, Drew had the comedic background already, so he had a little bit of an edge. But, uh, you're, but you know, to have never done improv before, he he held his own, man. He was great. He really did. So, yeah. uh, Brad, I could talk to you for another hour, but I don't, I don't want to hold you up any longer than I already have. Um, again, The Brad Sherwood on Instagram and Twitter, www.colinandbradshow.com for tour dates and tickets availability. Uh, Brad, thanks so much for joining me again. This has been, I I love it when I get to have you on. 
It was a pleasure. And uh, stop by after the show and say hello. Oh, perfect. I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, until next time, guys, we'll see you in the spotlight down the road. Yeah.